Play the movie. Yeah, play. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning into another episode of the Milk Movies podcast. This is going to be a big time episode. Um, I feel like it's a little bit bold to say this, but I'd probably say this is the biggest episode to date. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, either the podcast, whether it's one of your first episodes tuning in, uh, if you haven't been following along on Twitter, if you just you're testing out movies, whatever the case may be, if you did not know that DC fandom happened over the weekend, that happened on Saturday for me, that was yesterday. Um, there's so much to cover. Um, I got to follow along with the whole eight hour event. It was a very cool event. I was trying to live tweet it the best I could really just covering the movie side of things. I didn't dive too much into, um, all the video game announcements, all the comic announcements, all the TV announcements and stuff along those lines, really just focused on movies. That's what I have time for. That's what I like to do. So that's what I do. Um, but with that, again, there was so much content. I'm really excited to talk about it on here. But because there is so much to talk about, I'm only going to touch on the highlights of the movie news, um, but there is going to be an entire segment for it in this episode. Again, depending on how familiar you are with my work and this podcast, uh, you may know that I split the episodes up into uh, the start of it. It was always just news, so the latest trailers, the latest castings, the latest uh, projects that are in the works, whatever I might consider news for the previous week. Um, follow that up with the uh, new movies that are going to be coming out the following week or just over the weekend, uh, and then just conclude it with obviously my reviews or my rewinds. So that's the basic structure of this episode. Again, there's so much to cover from DC Fandom. There's going to be a whole segment for it. So I'm not going to bore people with it if they're not interested. If you do want to listen to it or if you want to make sure that you don't listen to it and you can skip ahead, feel free to double check the description of this episode. Every single episode, I always put the timestamps in there so you know when I'm talking about what. Uh, there are links to each written review for, again, the reviews and the rewinds. There's a link to the website. There's a link to my Twitter. So again, if you have not done that before, if you have not looked in the description of each episode, highly recommend it. Even if you're not going to be skipping around, just so you know what you can look forward to throughout the episode. I know that I always just title them what I'm reviewing, I don't throw it. So like today, I actually put in DC Fandom for the name of the episode because it's a big deal. Uh, otherwise, it's always just the movies that I'm talking about, not the full-blown news segments. Um, so again, just highly recommend you look in there. Uh, depending on your interest in DC Fandom from Saturday, look in the description of the episode and you can see when I will be talking about that. Uh, but otherwise... Like I said, it was a big week for movies, even outside. If I were just to take everything out of DC fandom for this episode, or if I were to make a completely different episode for it, there was a lot that happened this last week. So it's going to be a big time episode, whether you like DC or not. Uh, kicking it off with, this is what I'm going to consider the biggest topic of discussion of Milk Movies until I actually get to see it and until we've kind of moved on from the fact that it released. We're going to start with Tenet. The first reviews for the movie, uh, they're in. And with theaters kind of successfully being open now um, across the country and kind of across the globe from what I'm understanding. Um, they're starting to feel comfortable with, again, reviews coming out. We're getting closer and closer to the movie actually being here. Um, Travis Scott announced that he has a single for the movie. Uh, this is the first time he's ever collabed on a film like that to have a feature song. It is called The Plan. 
the announcement came last week. The song came out over the weekend on Friday. Uh, according to an article from GQ, again, this is before the song came out, so we know more about it now. Um, uh, but again, when the announcement came out, Travis Scott said that it sounds like a brain liquefying trip through time and space. Whether you like Travis Scott or not, whether you like his sound or not, uh, I think that's a pretty accurate description. Having now heard it, um, it's it's a really good balance of what I think we're going to get from the movie. It sounded like the movie feels. And then it sounded like Travis Scott. So I like the little blend there. I like the song. Uh, he went on to add that he can't even explain it. And I think when he was saying it, he meant the movie. He then went on to say, you literally just have to watch it. It's very fire. So that was cool. If Travis Scott likes it, you know everybody else is going to like it. So that was nice. Um, but that was just a quick note with Travis Scott. Uh, back to what I was mentioning about the, uh, the first reviews being in. That's all I want to say. I don't want to add anything more to that. I've been trying to stay away from the reviews myself. I've accidentally stumbled across some of them, uh, but as, if I see it, I'm just quickly getting away from it so I don't spoil anything for myself. Sometimes there are movies where I do want to get a better idea of what I'm getting myself into with a movie, especially if I'm not completely interested in it. But for something like Tenet, I, I want a ton of surprises. I don't want any spoilers for it. Um, so that's that. More than anything, I just wanted to share with you that if you are interested in some of the early reviews for Tenet, they are available for you. Uh, moving on to, obviously, today's going to be a big time episode for DC. Let's talk about Marvel a little bit because they released some big news last week too. It's in the Sony universe. It's not technically canon in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but big time news. Olivia Wilde will direct and develop a secret Marvel film uh, project revolving around a female character, again, in the Sony universe. If you remember, if you've been listening long enough, Olivia Wilde made her directorial debut last year with Booksmart. I love Booksmart so much. Very, very good movie. Um, I don't know exactly what direction they're going to take this secret Marvel film uh, revolving around a female character. She has seemingly revealed or confirmed that it's going to be Spider-Woman. Everybody has been suspecting that it was going to be Spider-Woman. Uh, when the announcement came out, when the headlines were out there on Twitter, she quote tweeted it with the spider emoji. So, I mean, take that with... It, it's Spider-Woman. We're getting a Spider-Woman movie. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I, again, I don't know which version of Spider-Woman we're going to get. There have been several throughout the comics. Uh, so, depending on the age, the specific character, whatever story they want to create, because they might blend them. I don't know what they have in mind necessarily. Um, but in my head, I think in a perfect world, we almost get exactly book smart, but the lead is Spider-Woman. I don't, again, I don't know if they're going to be high school age. I don't know if they're going to be friends with Peter Parker. I don't know what the dynamic is going to be there. Uh, if you're not familiar with the comics, a an important storyline is that she's a young mother. She has a child. So we'll see how they implement that. Obviously, that, that she could still be in high school. She could have teen pregnancy. I don't know. We'll see. But depending on which route they want to take, I have my picks for who I want to portray Spider-Woman. Going from the person who... I want all four of these, I should say. I have four. I'm going from the quote-unquote least person that I want to the person that I'm like, you have to cast them. Coming in at number four, I have Daisy Ridley. If you're not familiar with her, she is Rey Skywalker, technically Skywalker, uh, from the Star Wars sequel films. I really like Daisy Ridley. I think that she wants to kind of 
create a new version of herself. Obviously, the sequel trilogy uh, had very mixed feelings from the fan base. Uh, I think a lot of those characters or those actors want to get away from all that. They're, they didn't like the toxicity of being in that environment. Obviously, if you move over to the superhero world, it's not going to get a ton better, but I do think that there's more praise than there is backlash. Uh, so I think Daisy Ridley would like to get away from that and like to get into something like this, and I think she'd benefit from it. I think she'd be great. Uh, moving on to number three, Rosa Salazar, if you don't know that name. She was the lead in Alita Battle Angel. She played Alita. I just think she's great with action. She did great with like the CGI aspect of things. I think she'd do a good job. Uh, next up is Caitlin Dever. I think, I don't know how well this would work because I don't know uh, what she's like in an action setting. I don't know, uh, again, what version of Spider-Woman they're going to give us. So I don't know age-wise how that'll work, but I like Caitlin Dever. She was the lead or one of the leads in Booksmart. So I know that she's already got a great uh, chemistry with Olivia Wilde or they're going to be familiar enough with each other that depending on which version of Spider-Woman they want to use, she'd be great. So I think she'd be really good. I Again, I love her in that movie. I love that movie. So I'd just like to see them reunite. And then finally, my number one pick, the person who I am saying, really, no matter which version of Spider-Woman you go with, because I think that she can be like a, a young mother, or I guess you can say like an older woman, or she can act like a high schooler, Alicia Vikander from Ex Machina. Uh, she also played Tomb Raider in the reboot. She took over for Angelina Jolie. She's just, she's great with action. Again, she has a look to her where she could very much be an older woman. That, I don't want to say older woman. I, she's not old, but she can she can play both. She can be like an adult or she can be a high schooler. I think she'd be great. Again, action, the look, just pure acting ability. I, I really, really, really want to see Alicia Vikander take over as Spider-Woman, but we'll see. I know that's been a popular opinion. I was surprised to see that it was a popular opinion, but I am all for it because let's just speak it into existence. Let's get Alicia Vikander to be Spider-Woman. That'd be great. But that's that for Spider-Woman. Really looking forward to that project. But, surprise, surprise, we have more announcements from the Sony Marvel Universe. Uh, I'm probably more excited for the Spider-Woman movie to take off, but I think this next bit of news is a bigger deal. J.C. Kandor is in talks to direct a Kraven the Hunter movie, again, set in the Sony Universe, where he will now be accompanied by Venom, Morbius, and now Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman is obviously a protagonist. She's a good guy. But what makes this film such a big deal is, depending on how familiar you are with, again, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the comics and whatnot, I'm not even an expert in the comics. I just know as much as I know and I want to know. Tom Holland has, I believe, under their current contract, three more movies that he can be in. Between Sony and Disney, I should say. That includes the third solo movie. So the movie that will complete the Spider-Man trilogy. That means he has two more movies that he can be in. Don't know if it's going to be another Avengers movie. Don't know if it's going to be a crossover with just one other character. Not exactly sure what route they're going to take there. But adding Kraven the Hunter to the Sony universe, or still I'll consider it Marvel. Because if you remember, there is a crossover. Sony wants Tom Holland to be in their universe. With the trailer for Morbius, we saw that Michael Keaton's Vulture is in that universe. So that means obviously Tom Holland, or technically all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is blended. But regardless, that means that we now have, we have Kraven the Hunter, 
We have Venom. We have Morbius. We have Vulture, as I just mentioned. And if you remember from the end credit scene of Spider-Man Homecoming, we have, I'll just say a comrade, that Vulture met in prison. We don't know exactly which character he's going to portray or which villain. But what that means is we have five of the six members of the Sinister Six. If you're not familiar with the Sinister Six, that is the group that comes together, they team up to take out Spider-Man. We don't know, again, they might take like a different route. There are several, several, several versions of the Sinister Six. It's always made up of several different characters. For example, Green Goblin could be one, uh, Doc Ock could be one, and I mean, there's a ton of characters, but there are a ton of, ton of, ton of different versions of the Sinister Six. And in some of them, there are even more than six. So take that with a grain of salt. Maybe they add more. But what's important here? With their contract coming to an end, or Tom Holland's as Spider-Man, I should say, they still have time to develop these characters and to bring them all together. But if we can get the Sinister Six to become an official entity, and then that's how they take out Spider-Man, that would be incredibly epic it would be terrible i mean i want tom holland to play spider-man forever he wants to play spider-man forever but very excited for craven the hunter if they can if they can make all of this work and happen the way that i'm kind of believing and thinking that they're trying to work toward very much looking forward to craven the hunter joining the sony marvel cinematic universe so that's that for the Marvel side of comic news. Uh, moving on to some other more, I guess, traditional movie news and another project that's in the works. A remake of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is in the works with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. I, re I really don't know how I feel about this news. I don't necessarily care or I'm not bothered by the fact that they're going to make or remake Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. If you're not familiar with the original from 1987, it starred Steve Martin and John Candy and they were forced to travel together in a desperate attempt to get home for Thanksgiving. Uh, John Candy is kind of the comic relief in it. Steve Martin is more the straight man. Uh, they, their personalities and whatnot, they don't necessarily blend. They're just kind of reluctant to travel together. And through, then, through the movie and by the end of it, they obviously have a different relationship and a different dynamic with uh, one another by the end. So with Will Smith... And Kevin Hart teaming up to do this. My guess, I don't see how it would work the other way around. My guess is that Will Smith will take over for Steve Martin as like the straight man. And Kevin Hart will take over for John Candy as the comic relief. I don't have a problem with this. I don't know that I'm incredibly interested in it. Uh, I, it's been a long time since Will Smith or Kevin Hart have been in like a really, really good movie. But we'll see. My guess is it's going to be fine. It's, I don't think I'm going to hate it. But also, if it is a terrible movie, I think that'd be even funnier. But regardless, Will Smith and Kevin Hart teaming up to remake Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Another project that's in the works, because again, there was a lot that broke last week. Uh, Pete Davidson and O'Shea Jackson Jr., if you're not familiar with him, that is the son of Ice Cube. Uh, those two will co-star in the Kevin Hart, again Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart and Chris Paul produced film American Soul. If you're not familiar with Chris Paul, he's a star in the NBA. So what's important to note? I said American Soul. Soul is spelled S-O-L-E. So think shoes. Why are you thinking shoes? Because the movie is described as a high stakes, high top, dramatic comedy set in the world of aftermarket sneakers. If you're not, if you're not familiar with the shoe world or the shoe universe, everything's about a universe now, it's, it's crazy. Shoes are 
so unbelievably expensive when you get the right uh, collaboration between two brands or even just sometimes one brand making some incredible shoe with a very uh, limited release. They go nuts. The thousands and thousands of dollars that these shoes will sell for. Sometimes for good reason. Sometimes they are fantastic shoes, but otherwise they don't need to go for even $1,000 more often than not. Uh, but regardless, for those of you that care or just for some context as to why I might be a little bit interested in this, I used to work at Adidas. And after I was done working at Adidas, I went over to Nike. In my time working for Adidas and Nike, I crazy built up my shoe collection between the two brands and some other ones. I've always had a ton of shoes, always been really interested in shoes, especially for NBA players. So I like Chris Paul being involved in this because I think he'll have an interesting uh, perspective on it, especially being uh, an Air Jordan athlete. I think this should be cool. I like, I, I like Pete Davidson. He's definitely come around on me uh, a fair amount over the past few years and especially earlier this year. Um, uh, with his Judd Apatow film, and then O'Shea Jackson Jr. I just like him. I think he's, I don't know that he has incredible range, but I can see him being a more serious actor, and then I like him in a comedy setting like this too. Uh, so I like those two together. Again, I like Kevin Hart being attached to this, and I especially like Chris Paul being attached to this. So I'm not saying it's going to be amazing or like the movie of the year or anything, but as long as they can put something competent together and just interesting, I think the interesting aspect of it will be really important that it just draws in it's going to have a very niche audience, but as long as, again, they can relate to it or there's some people that are maybe on the fence that are just interested in it, if you can take something away from it and be like, oh, I didn't know that or wow, that was interesting. I didn't know about that sort of world that lives out there. I think they could do a good job. I think there's definitely something there to make this movie successful. Another one, this might even have a more niche audience than Shoes, but I could also see this being like the movie of the year. Not really, but it's I, I mean, I'll get to it. Pedro Pascal is in talks to join Nicolas Cage, there you go, uh, in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Pedro Pascal would play a Nicolas Cage superfan. So again, that's what I'm saying. Like, it could be either, like, the most niche audience ever or it could, like, appeal to literally everybody. Uh, he will play a Nicolas Cage superfan who offers $1 million for him, for Nicolas Cage, to attend a birthday party. Uh, in this movie, Nicolas Cage is playing a fictionalized version of Nicolas Cage, but this character is creatively unfulfilled and facing financial ruin, so he reluctantly accepts the million dollars to attend this party. No surprise, the party goes wrong, and Nicolas Cage has to become this fictionalized version of himself, so like the fictionalized, fictionalized version of himself, um, and basically like save the day. It sounds like a very Nicolas Cage movie, but it also actually sounds pretty awesome, especially these days if you get Pedro Pascal attached. He's obviously found himself in the DC Extended Universe in Wonder Woman 1984. He is the Mandalorian, and he was in Game of Thrones. So if you get Pedro Pascal attached to it, there's going to be some extra excitement, especially when you pair him with Nicolas Cage. So I could see that being a terrible movie, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to make with it. Uh, some quicker news here. Uh, the Matrix 4 is moving on without Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus. Uh, the Matrix 4 resumed filming, and Lawrence Fishburne said that he just didn't ever get invited to re, re revive his role, uh, but he wished them the best in filming. So I, I, just, I, I don't know what they have in mind for The Matrix 4 if you're not going to have Morpheus in it. I'm not saying that's the wrong decision. I obviously haven't seen anything from The Matrix 4 like nobody else has. 
but just definitely an interesting decision to not have Morpheus in any Matrix movie, but especially if you're going to bring it back after uh, 15, 20 years, however long it's been. Very interesting decision there. Uh, LeBron James, he revealed the new uniforms for Space Jam, A New Legacy. People are very split on how they feel about these uniforms. For me, the second I saw them, it immediately reminded me of the All-Star uniforms from 1996 for the NBA. Uh, those have gained quite the following over the years. It's a teal and orange kind of Arizona feel to them. Uh, now they're bringing those colors back. It's got like a, a Detroit Pistons 1990s teal, but it's also got the Looney Tunes orange and everything. Um, the uniforms seem to match the vibe that this movie is going for. It's definitely going to appeal to like kids three through 10. So I don't know. I, I don't see the point in getting so upset about it. I honestly never had the attachment to the original Michael Jordan Space Jam that a lot of people do. So as much as I love sports, that movie never did anything for me. I don't care that LeBron James is doing this. I don't think it's untouchable or anything, but so be it. it new uniforms are out. People don't like them. Move on. I'm moving on now to my next point. Uh, I talked about this last week. I don't, a few weeks now, I feel like. I don't want to say that I've called it in the sense that I'm alone. I'm sure everybody kind of saw this coming, so I'm not going to tip myself, tip myself the cap or whatever, pat myself on the back too much, but I called it. Guillermo del Toro signed an exclusive deal with Netflix to produce new movies and TV shows. So if you remember, again, I believe it was last week that I talked about it, that Martin Scorsese signed an exclusive deal to do the same thing with Apple TV Plus and Leonardo DiCaprio, the same thing with Sony. So the dominoes are starting to fall. I'm really not bothered by it. I'm not expecting this to stop. It's whatever. It's kind of inevitable at this point. But this is the first one to end up at like a big time streaming service. I've said what I said about Apple TV Plus that I don't think they're on the same level as everybody else. Not a hot take. Uh, Leo signing with Sony. So be it. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a bad decision, obviously. It's just a big time studio. But Netflix adding Guillermo del Toro, very interesting. And it's even a bigger deal because they do have the uh, kind of animated stop motion uh, Pinocchio film coming in 2021. And they added some pretty big time names to what was already a very stacked cast. They added Kate uh, Blanchett, Tim Blake Nelson, and Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things to the Pinocchio movie. Um, this is a cast alongside Ewan McGregor, who will be voicing Cricket. They added Tinda, uh, Tilda Swinton a while ago, Ron Perlman, Christoph Waltz, David Bradley, who will be voicing Geppetto, John Turturro, and again, I mentioned Tim Blake Nelson already, but Tim Blake Nelson. Um, as soon as I saw Finn Wolfhard was attached to this, I was like, oh, he's going to play Pinocchio or something. That's not right. They already have Gregory Mann to play Pinocchio. No idea who Gregory Mann is. I think he's probably a child. He's going to play Pinocchio, so of course he is. So I don't know if Finn Wolfhard is going to be a friend or if maybe he will do, there's going to be like some double time on Pinocchio and they're going to have two different versions of Pinocchio, whether it's the boy or the what. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if he's going to voice some other character. No idea what they're going to do, but that's that. Guillermo del Toro, he's stuck with Netflix for now on. Uh, and then the Pinocchio cast, as much as I don't know how interested I even am for this movie, got a great cast. So at least that's interesting. Uh, moving on to some more Netflix news and some big time trailers from this last week. Again, just a ton of really big time news. Enola Holmes, the long-awaited uh, movie for Millie Bobby Brown in the Sherlock Holmes sister spinoff kind of movie. Uh, again, 
that is coming to Netflix, the synopsis for Enola Holmes. When Enola Holmes, Sherlock's teen sister, discovers her mother is missing, she sets off to find her, becoming a super sleuth in her own right as she outwits her famous brother and unravels a dangerous conspiracy around a mysterious long young lord. Again, Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill will be playing uh, Sherlock Holmes himself, Sam Claflin will be the brother, Mycroft Holmes, and Helena Bonham Carter is the mother. Very much looking forward to this, uh, as much as I kind of always rip on Netflix. A great cast. I very, very much like Henry Cavill. Everybody's got to like Millie Bobby Brown. And I like mystery stuff. So having a Sherlock Holmes movie, very much looking forward to that. Uh, I guess Enola Holmes, I should say. But that'll be coming Wednesday, September 23rd. Trailer looked good. So I'm looking forward to that. Next up, we have Death on the Nile. If you're not familiar with Death on the Nile, that will be the follow-up to Murder on the Orient Express. I talked about Murder on the Orient Express again. That was another uh, movie that I talked about early on in the podcast. That is um, an adaptation of a book. Um, I didn't love Murder on the Orient Express. I don't think it was terrible. Honestly, the more I've gotten away from seeing that movie, I guess I think a little bit more highly of it. Uh, but... Man, if you're coming out with a whodunit after what Ryan Johnson did with uh, Knives Out, I'm sorry. It's it's going to be very hard to compete with that. Um, the trailer did look okay. It looks like it's going to be a little bit darker and just simply put, it looks like it's going to be a little bit better than, uh, excuse me, Knives Out. But cast, Gal Gadot, Army Hammer, Rose Leslie, Annette Bening, Letitia Wright, Russell Brand, and of course, Kenneth Branagh as Ecule Prowo. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything to say about this. I love Knives Out is one of my favorite movies of all time. When I reviewed it of however long ago now, I gave it 100% full on the milk meter. No regrets about that. I hate to say, I hate to give a movie that came out within the last year such high praise, but it's a perfect movie for me. Like it's, it's not so much like it caught me off guard and I'm like, wow, I'm so amazed by this movie. I love those movies. So when you make quite honestly, the best version of something within a genre and you kind of spin it on its own head like the way Ryan Johnson did. What do you expect me to do? Not give it a 100% full on the milk meter? So again, I'm rooting for Death on the Nile. I think they can do something with it, but we'll see. We got a while before Death on the Nile comes out, um, but I, I have nothing else to say. Good luck to, to you, Kenneth uh, Branagh, and your, he's directing this again. That's, I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I love Knives Out. Death on the Nile. Good luck. Before we get into DC Fandom, I will let you guys know what is going to be coming out over this next weekend and what you have looking forward to um, over the next week or so. The New Mutants. It's finally coming to theaters. It's finally going to release in theaters after years of just issues and uh, rescheduling and stuff. It's finally going to come out. Again, it will depend on what theaters look like near you. I know for me, I don't have access to theaters yet. It's in my entire state, don't have theater access yet. So it's going to be really hard for me to kind of, now that movies are starting to open or to release again, it's going to be hard for me to kind of keep up with those things. I really hope that I can. I hope that something changes soon from what I understand from some other people that have been saying that they've been able to go to the theaters and more specifically AMC, that's the theater that I use. Uh, they do say that they feel very safe. They feel very comfortable. They think that they've done a very good job of keeping things clean, 
socially distancing things and whatever uh, process that needs to be taken, it seems like uh, all the right steps are being taken to keep people safe and clean and whatnot. Um, so we'll see when things open up. But again, The New Mutants is coming out this Friday. If you're for some reason not familiar with the synopsis at this point, five young mutants just discovering their abilities while held in a secret facility against their will fight to escape their past sins and save themselves. Uh, I feel like I read that wrong, but that's the synopsis for The New Mutants. I apologize if that sounded weird. I, for some reason, I can see where my synopsis ends on the screen and I just read it like I was going to keep reading. Uh, but The New Mutants... It's another, it's like an extension of the X-Men, basically. It's really the last um, big-time film that's strictly under Fox before Fox had the merger with Disney. Um, so it will be, it won't be quite connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you will get one more kind of one-off X-Men movie with that. Um, the Personal History of David Copperfield will be coming out over the weekend as well. I could have sworn this had an on-demand released, uh, but I guess that was either taken away or I'm just thinking of a different movie. Uh, but synopsis for The Personal History of David Copperfield. It's gotten great reviews so far. Um, a modern take on Charles Dickens' classic tale of a young orphan who is able to triumph over many obstacles. So, uh, excuse me, the cast for The Personal History of David Copperfield will star Dev Patel, playing David Copperfield, Hugh Lowry, and Peter Capaldi. Again, great reviews for that movie so far. Um, I haven't seen a ton of promotion for it. I don't know what kind of return they're expecting to make on this movie, but good reviews. So maybe if you get a chance to see that, that might be worth your time. Uh, otherwise, I don't want to... I was going to say, The New Mutants is probably the biggest new movie that's coming out, but Bill and Ted Face the Music, that's finally coming out as well. That is going to have a theatrical release where they're able to go, as well as an on-demand release. Synopsis for Bill and Ted face the music to complete the Bill and Ted trilogy. Once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. Cast obviously includes Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, but they add Kristen Shaw, Samara Weaving, and... Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi. I love Kid Cudi. He has made it very clear that he is trying to make the transition from, he's not getting away from music, but he's trying to add way more to his arsenal. He's trying to become a better actor. He's trying to become a producer. He's trying to get into the entertainment business as a whole, not just music. So good for Kid Cudi uh, for finding his way into Bill and Ted Face the Music. I am imagining that this is going to be a premium video on demand rental. So I expect that it is a $19.99 purchase, not a $9.99 or $5.99 kind of deal. But uh, but either way, again, theaters are starting to open back up. So get excited about that. Um, with that, I'm not entirely certain what I'm going to be talking about next week, because for all I know, maybe during the week, they say, hey, theaters are going to open this weekend. Cool. Maybe I'll kind of figure something out and review one of these movies. Who knows? Uh, but right now, I have Bill and Ted Face the Music. It's available on demand, so I know that I'll have access to it. Going to be talking about that on the podcast next week, as well as, if you read the title of the episode, not talking about Inception today, because I'm bad with calendars, apparently. Inception, I will be talking about next week. I know that I had it on there because it released in theaters this weekend for its 10th anniversary, but... I, something told me that it just might make more sense to talk about it next week when I might not have as much to talk about. And that'll just be that much closer to the release of Tenet, where they're supposedly somewhat connected. Uh, so next week, right now, what I have on the docket, Bill and Ted Face the Music, for sure. 
99% sure I'm going to be talking about Inception. And then again, depending on uh, the theater situation, uh, the third movie will be decided at a later date. Uh, but that's that. I'll be discussing more about what I'm talking about today with the reviews and whatnot after DC Fandom. So if you want to just skip to the end of the DC Fandom segment, you're more than welcome to, and I'll break down how the reviews are going to go today. Uh, but otherwise, I'm going to kick it off now to the inaugural discussion of DC Fandom. All right, DC Fandom. Let me just start by saying it was very cool. As I would consider myself to be more of a Marvel person and then even tied with or behind Marvel, even they might be ahead, Star Wars is my 1A to 1B with Marvel. Those two are just, they define me in a sense, uh, like along, along with sports. So I'd say those are like the three most important things to me. But I want DC to be like, I want DC to be right there with him. Batman is the best. Like, he is the best. Superman, as much as I really don't care about Superman, Henry Cavill has made me want to care about Superman. He is a perfect Superman. So, with a lot of what DC has been going on um, up to the last few years, it's just been so disorganized and not great. They just had a lot of issues. Once DC decided, okay, we're going to reset, we're going to get things right, and we're going to restart. We're going to take everything off from there. DC fandom made me, as much as they've been kind of incrementally making me feel better and better, DC fandom was the official icing on the cake, like, we got this. Kicking it off with, I'm going to mostly go in order uh, from how the panels went yesterday, or on Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this. Um... Starting off with some news for The Flash. And within the news for The Flash, the biggest, I'm not going to say the biggest, but one of the biggest things, Ben Affleck is coming back. Uh, Up to this point, the thought was, okay, Ben Affleck is done as Batman. Not because Robert Pattinson was taking over in this DC Extended Universe to play the same version of Batman, just different actor. The thought was they were going to try to figure something out without him, basically. Obviously, there have been discussions of Michael Keaton, or rumors, I should say, of Michael Keaton reprising his Batman. Although it wasn't officially confirmed, it also was not denied by any chance, having Ben Affleck come back for this movie, if I didn't make it very clear, he's coming back for this movie. What Barbara Muschietti said, that is the sister of Andy Muschietti, the director of the upcoming Flash movie, She said it had been difficult for him playing Batman. That's kind of what we thought. We knew he had been having a tough time. Fans were very hard on him in his portrayal of the character. Obviously, there was a bigger issue in that DC had been such a mess up to this point. But it was hard for him. So I can completely understand him him being down on it, especially with the things outside of being an actor that he's had trouble with too, um, which was to her next point too. I think it was more about a difficult time in his life. That's what I'm saying. He's just, he's had a hard time being Ben Affleck. Uh, But restarting this quote, just so it's a little bit cleaner, it had been difficult for him playing Batman. I think it was more about a difficult time in his life. When we approached him, he was very open to it, which was a bit of a surprise to us. Right now, he's in a place where he can actually enjoy being Batman. That's, that's great to hear. I 
and myself have been very critical of uh, Ben Affleck's portrayal of Batman or even past his portrayal of Batman, what he was given in what he had to portray. Uh, for example, Batman versus Superman, I did not like the the iron bat suit or whatever he had. Um, obviously, the story, say, say what you will about whether you like it or not, but there's just been such a mess around the DC stuff that it was just hard to get behind him. With this restart and with him, I guess, optimistically coming back, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, she went on to mention that his role in The Flash is pivotal, but it's also fun. He won't be the lead, so he won't have to carry the movie, so he can, again, just have fun with it, and he can just be happy that he's Batman. So very cool there. Uh, again, like I mentioned, there's no official confirmation that Michael Keaton will be back, but with nothing making you think otherwise, you gotta think he's coming back. Uh, he With some of the concept artwork that was coming out for The Flash... They 100% just used Michael Keaton's Batman. It looked like his face. It looked like Michael Keaton's bat suit. So you got to think, okay, Michael Keaton's back as Batman. Don't know why there wasn't an official official announcement for this. Even the Ben Affleck being back news broke before Saturday. So the timing of all that was a little bit weird, but still cool nonetheless, regardless of when it comes out. Um, but that's that. I mean, the, the stuff for The Flash is just really cool. The biggest thing, funny enough, is more so around Batman than it is about uh, the Flash himself, but hey, he's getting a new suit, so that's cool. Uh, moving on to everything about Wonder Woman, it's hard for me to talk about Wonder Woman because apparently I'm kind of alone in that I thought the first Wonder Woman movie was I, just fine. I didn't didn't hate it by any means, but I also didn't love it like a lot of people did. Um, what gets me excited, this new trailer looks awesome. I mentioned Pedro Pascal being attached to it earlier. Uh, Kristen Wiig has been attached to it as well, or not just attached, she has a big role. She's playing Cheetah. Uh, so we got, to, we got to look at Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. We got to see Pedro Pascal as in his role. Uh, I believe it was as Maxwell Lord. Um, and then Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. She is great as Wonder Woman. That's, that's not the issue. I didn't love the story necessarily. And then past everything... If I'm being completely honest, Chris Pine's Steve Trevor is the main reason why I just don't love Wonder Woman's story. Wonder Woman, I love. Chris Pine's Steve Trevor, pass. I like Chris Pine, but I just, I don't believe their love. And then him trying to be, I guess, some sort of comic relief, I just don't think he's funny. So there's just not a lot to love about that dynamic. And it's such, a, such an important piece of the puzzle in Wonder Woman. It just kind of takes away from... A lot of it. But but I mean, either way, the trailer looks really good. I am still excited about this uh, revamp from DC and specifically with Wonder Woman. Because um, spoiler alert, if you didn't know on Wonder Woman and then obviously now, Chris Pine, S Steve Trevor, dead but not dead. But it's a weird dynamic. So obviously when the movie comes out, we're going to learn more about how all that uh, plays out and stuff. But Wonder Woman panel was cool. She's going to be celebrating her 80th anniversary in 2021. So they do have a new logo out for that as well. Uh, doesn't change the movie or anything, but just a cool little uh, honorary logo for that. Uh, next up is The Suicide Squad. Now, if you're not familiar with the 2017 Suicide Squad, not great. That one I can say, like, I know I'm not alone in saying it's not great. As soon as I was done seeing it, I was a little bit optimistic about it, and I thought, like, oh, I didn't hate that. Like, there were some things that I like. I don't think it was great, but it's just fix this and that, and it's okay. As the years have gone on, the more I've thought about and seen just other movies and the, uh, the comic book universes, not a good movie. A lot a lot of issues around it. Um, 
But with James Gunn being attached to the Suicide Squad now, and they had great actors for the other Suicide Squad movie, but this one has some really great people attached, and they are giving James Gunn unbelievable praise. For good reason. James Gunn is a great director, but uh, it's been described as a gritty 1970s war movie, again with him getting a lot of praise. Even James Gunn has said this is by far the biggest movie he's ever made, and that it's been the greatest journey of his life. So they're putting themselves on like a, I don't want to say a high pedestal, but they're pumping up the expectations for this movie. Um, Some of the actors were mentioning that you should not get too attached to any of the characters and that you have, the biggest thing was that we have no idea what to expect. It seemed like from everybody involved in this movie, they're saying, you think this is going to happen, but you're just completely wrong. So take that with a grain of salt. I feel like that gets said a lot, but from what we saw with the little teaser trailers, we got to see every character and the castings uh, for those characters revealed as well. Um, there's just a lot to like about this. Harley Quinn, say what you will about like Tony Stark as Iron Man or Henry Cavill as Superman or Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Harley Quinn, I mean, talk about like the greatest casting of all time. Margot Robbie is such an incredible Harley Quinn, and I'm so glad that she has just persevered and just continued on with this role because she she kills it. Uh, some exciting news for people that are maybe more diehard uh, comic fans. She will be back to her black and red, you know, color combo. Um, so she looks great. The rest of the cast looks awesome. Some of the characters are so outrageous, but I know that they're real characters and James Gunn is going to have a lot of fun with them. So I, I am really looking forward to the Suicide Squad. It, great panel great little teasers and everything it looks they're, they're going to do a very very good job of this and i'm very much looking forward to it in 2021 a lot of people have been saying that it's one of the most highly anticipated movies for next year i don't blame them one bit i i think that depending on how big of a fan you are of comic book movies and especially uh the dc extended universe there is a lot to like about what the suicide squad should be able to offer us in 2021 uh moving on to of course None other than the Snyder Cut of Justice League. I, again, like I mentioned earlier, I don't want to say I called it because it wasn't like a secret, and I know that I'm not alone in thinking this, but at least I'm going to be on the right side of history, in saying that it was going to be released in increments, in several parts. Zack Snyder confirmed that it will be released in four parts, and each part will last one hour. So, got a full month to take in the Snyder Cut. going to be four hours of this movie. I just don't know how different it's going to be. Like, they didn't do a ton of reshoots or anything. Uh, The trailer, or like the teaser trailer for a movie that we've already seen, was cool. And like, I am still excited to see it, but like, I also, I don't know. It's just a really weird thing to think about. Um, The biggest change, obviously, it's going to be released in four parts, one hour each. That's beside the point in how the story is actually told. The biggest change is that Cyborg will be the one to hold the team together, and he'll be the one that's completely at the heart of the film. We'll call the movie that we actually got the Whedon cut, the Josh Whedon cut. He's the one that took over for Zack Snyder when he had to leave the film. Um, Cyborg was, I don't want to say he was irrelevant, but his role was greatly, greatly diminished. He was very much like a C, D character in that movie. Not by performance, but just by role. He just didn't get to do anything. So... It will be very interesting to see uh, how that dynamic changes in the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Uh, And then even bigger news too, uh, Steppenwolf and Darkseid, we got to see 
Uh, Darkseed wasn't in it before at all, so that was a big deal. Um, and then Steppenwolf, he just looks more like he's supposed to. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how uh, their roles play out in this movie. And then tying it back to The Flash and specifically the time travel aspect of things in that movie and opening up the multiverse, Zack Snyder hinted that we're probably going to see some time travel in his cut of Justice League. So hopefully by the time the Flash movie actually comes out, we won't need to be convinced of it or anything. And even here, it's just kind of thrown in for whatever, or maybe they did just throw it in so that it does make more sense down the line. But regardless, we're probably going to see some time travel from The Flash. Uh, next up, Black Adam, The Rock, Black Adam. He teased that it does look cool. Apparently, this has been in the works for like over a decade, The Rock was saying. I didn't realize it had been that long, but it has been for a very long time that they've been working to make this happen. Um, he did tease that he would love for his character, Black Adam, to be friends with Superman, but mentioned that it may not actually work out that way. Don't remember what he said verbatim, but the way he put it, he kind of hinted at the fact that he and Superman might face off at some point. I don't know that it's necessarily going to be in that film. Throughout every movie, or every panel, I should say, it seemed like there was always some tie back to Superman, uh, with Henry Cavill still kind of working through things to come back as Superman. Um, we don't know that he's necessarily going to get a full-blown solo film again. We don't even know that he wants that. But it sounds like he's going to be cameoing or have like some minor role in a lot of these movies coming up. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if when Black Adam comes out, if Superman has any sort of role. The people that we do know that will be in this movie and have some sort of role include Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone and Adam Smasher, and it had been rumored before, it was just officially confirmed on Saturday, that Noah Centennial will be portraying Adam Smasher. Sounds like, uh, not Black Adam. Sounds like The Rock is very excited to have Noah Centennial in it, and more than it just being Noah Centennial, he's really excited to see Adam Smasher come to life too. Um, the Rock is just a happy guy. It's always fun to hear him talk about things, so he, he made it sound like we should all be pretty excited for Black Adam, and don't know how excited I am, but I believe there's some potential there. So that's going to be really cool. I know that he's meant to be uh, one of the most powerful beings in the DC extended universe. He mentioned that the power shift has completely changed now that the man in black has entered. Um, so, I mean, if you need a pump up speech, I think the rock could do something, uh, something there for you. Moving on to Shazam. Now it was such a weird panel for Shazam. Zachary Levi made it so awkward, but it was supposed to be awkward, but it was just actually awkward. It was, very weird panel, but it was still cool, I guess. Um, the way that I put it, I put a graphic out there on Twitter. I didn't really know how else to put it, but in declining to answer fan questions uh, regarding new superpowers for his character and a possible mentor role from Superman, of course, um, it made it seem like all those things are actually going to happen. Uh, I, I mean, those questions were definitely like planted or like they, I don't know that they're actually asked by anybody. They're just things they wanted to cover, obviously. I think everybody did that. Um, but in declining to answer questions, obviously about new superpowers and Superman being involved, you got to think, okay, well now that's going to happen. He kept making it clear that like, well, we can't talk about this movie at all. I can't tell you about those things. So Shazam is probably going to have new superpowers. We're probably going to see something from Superman in what has now been called Shazam Fury of the Gods. So we do have the title for the sequel film now. Um, another thing that made this panel so weird and awkward, but like 
I don't even know what to think about it. Sinbad, the comedian, Sinbad, might be in the film. It was so incredibly unclear how serious they were being, because like it sounded like they were being serious, but it was also clear that they weren't being serious, but there's also no reason for them to have said specifically what they did without them at least meaning it, even if it was meant to be like some sort of joke. So I don't know. Whenever Shazam! Fury of the Gods comes out, for all we know, Sinbad's going to be in it. No idea how important that role is going to be. But my guess is he is actually going to be in the movie. So that's that. Moving on to now. The most, to me, the most important panel of the day. From what I understand, from uh, the feedback that I've been following up with, it sounds like this was 100% the most talked about panel at DC Fandom, at least through social media. And the trailer for this has over 20 million views, I believe, in, what, not even 24 hours now? The Batman. Obviously, we have, if Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman, that's going to be very cool. Ben Affleck, he's returning as well. It's kind of like he never left, but he's back. So now we have three Batmen, three people portraying Bruce Wayne. I have no problem with that. I think most people can say, like, yeah, just give me more Batman. I don't care at all. This panel was so, it was amazing. Like, I, I don't know what else to say about it. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But in listening to Matt Reeves, uh, he directed all of the the Planet of the Apes movies from the last few years with Andy Serkis. Um, again, he's obviously now taking over this new Batman trilogy. But in listening to him talk about this particular movie, not necessarily the entire trilogy that he has, but this movie, this movie and the characters and how he views their universe, Warner Brothers could not have picked a better person to take over a trilogy like this. He sounded so excited. There was so much passion behind what he was saying. There's so much deep thought that went into what makes each character so unique and so important. And there's just... I could listen to Matt Reeves talk about Batman for the rest of my life. It was so exciting to hear him talk about it and what's even more interesting obviously they know what the movie's going to be and my guess is he probably knows exactly how the trilogy is going to play out or at least how he wants it to play out but what was really interesting it was such a minor point but it was one of the most interesting uh parts of their conversation especially after we got to see the little trailer for it they've only finished 25 to 30 percent of the movie so far and that's what he said at least if if we were able to get as much as we did out of 25 to 30 percent of the movie I mean, it sounds extreme because the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman trilogy, the Dark Knight trilogy with Christian Bale is held in such high regard. Not Even if you're not a superhero or comic book fan, the Dark Knight trilogy is so incredible. Like, I mean, it changed the game for movies like cinema, not just comic books and Batman or anything. Like, it was crazy. I actually think this is going to rival that. And maybe, again, not in the grand scheme of things with film as a whole, but in terms of just how we view Batman, I think this trilogy is going to compete with what Christopher Nolan did. Moving forward into more details with it, that was more so me just speculating and little opinion there. Walter Hamada has confirmed that the Batman will take place on a new Earth that is separate from the current DC Extended Universe, and more than that, it is separate from Joker that we saw with Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips in 2019. So 
again, he is he's completely alone here. There is a multiverse. We we're very much aware of that now. Uh, that there is more than just this Robert Pattinson um, Batman universe. There's more than that. So Hamada did add that Matt Reeves has innovative plans to expand upon this universe. I don't know that everything is going to cross over, but we'll see. It'd be very cool if that happened. I'm not expecting us to have three Batmans at one time or anything, um, but still very optimistic. And, and it's just nice to have that clarity like, okay, he's alone here. Uh, moving on to just a bunch of things that Matt Reeves said, going back to him just being so passionate about this movie and this trilogy. If you're not a fan of the bat suit, which I know a lot of people aren't, or if they like everything except for the cowl, I can kind of understand that, but I still like it. He mentioned that the bat suit is very practical. More importantly, Bruce Wayne is only in his second year as Batman. So he's very young Batman. He's very inexperienced. He's still learning. Um, so that's why it's very practical. He's still trying to get things figured out. He said, if you look closely, you can see the dents and the marks and everything through the suit where you can see like, yeah, he's just got pretty lousy materials to work with. So I actually really like that aspect. I can really appreciate the meaning behind why his suit looks the way it does. And even more than that, the suit, the bike, and the Batmobile all took a year to develop. So I think that's really cool too. A year, they really took the time to get it right. Say what you will about it. I think it's awesome. The Batmobile looked so cool. Again, practical. I think it really suits uh, the Batman that we're getting and the time period that it's in. The suit, the bike, same deal. In talking about the characters and the villains and how they're going to be developed, Matt Reeves mentioned, or he described it as a snowball rolling. He wanted to make sure that we know this is not an origin story, but that he's, and by he, I mean Bruce Wayne, he is in the middle of this criminology experiment. So again, he's still trying to figure himself out. He's still trying to figure out Gotham and where he fits in with all this. Um, if I haven't mentioned it already, I'm sure I'll get into it in just a second. Batman is a detective in this movie. Obviously, with all these other movies, and Matt Reeves said it himself, Batman, we're seeing him at his best. We're seeing him, he's already developed his skills, he already has um, like this great technology and equipment and everything. We're seeing, with this one at least, a completely different Batman. He's younger, we don't have to go through the whole parent thing, uh, we're not seeing him, you know, we see his parents die, and then boom, 20 years later, or I guess it'd be longer than that, let's say like 30 years later, we're seeing this new Batman. This is a very young Batman, so seeing him navigate through things is going to be very interesting. And with that, again, he's in year two, the public, or Gotham, is afraid of Batman. He's just in year two, they don't understand him yet, Robert Pattinson's version of Batman or Bruce Wayne is still trying to figure things out, so that dynamic is going to be very, very interesting. He mentioned that uh, the characters and their the actors, I should say, portray their roles in ways that are true to the comics, but are like we've never seen before. Again, anytime somebody says, like, you've never seen something like this before, every single time, take it with a grain of salt. But from what we've been seeing and from what we've been hearing, there's no reason to believe anything else. Like, I think Matt Reeves has kind of proven, like, no, you might actually be onto something. Um, and then, like I mentioned with the detective side of things, he said that he wanted to treat this movie as if it could have happened. So it's going to feel very real. Uh, he had a, he had the mindset of a classic noir when doing this. Uh, again, he's not a pure vigilante in this. He is a detective trying to work with Gotham PD. So that's that. Uh, that's everything that Matt Reeves was saying about it. Just moving on to the trailer now. I mentioned it before. 
nothing else to say other than it was amazing. I watch it so many times now. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so, so, so excited for the Batman to come out next year. Robert Pattinson looked great in the role. He sounded great. Obviously, the voice that Batman uses is very important. And I think, uh, not Christopher Nolan, um, Christian Bale really elevated that to where like, no, you have to think about um, his voice. Obviously, Christian Bale gets mocked all the time too by fans for uh, the depth of his voice and how he talked and everything. But it still makes a big difference. Obviously, that's it played a big impact on Ben Affleck's Batman and now with uh, uh, Robert Pattinson. He has an English accent. So him being able to, I'm same with Christian Bale, but I like that dynamic. I, I think that he did a very good job nailing the voice in the one line that we heard, but the one line that we heard, I'm vengeance. I'm vengeance. That's so cool. From what I understand, that is from the comics, so it's not completely original, but it's it is cool that we're going to get something from the comics like that other than I'm Batman. I'm Batman is still a cool, just throw it in your face line. I'm vengeance. I I love that. Um, the, the visual tones felt very much like it was set in Gotham. It's supposed to, but I think Matt Reeves nailed it. Um, it's very dark. Again, I've personally always liked that about DC with things being darker. Um, and from what I understand about the story and how things are going to play out a little bit, um, at least what I took away from the trailer, it seems like Paul Dano's Riddler is going to be the primary villain. My guess is this is going to be the only movie that the Riddler appears in. Could be wrong. I'm speculating, but that's what I'm thinking. Um, seems like just from the, uh, the, the, the role that he had in the trailer, how prominent his character was, that's the word I was looking for, how prominent the Riddler was in the trailer, seems like he's going to be the primary villain. Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, I don't think she's necessarily going to fight side by side with Batman. My guess is that she's fighting more on his side. She's going to be a young version of Catwoman. She's still trying to figure things out too. So I think they're just going to kind of work on the same side. I don't want to say with each other yet because I don't I don't think that's the case. But she looked cool too. I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman because I think she's going to kill it. Um, and then Colin Farrell, if you did not get a chance to see what he, assuming that this is Penguin and this is Colin Farrell, and the reason why I'm almost asking that is because you could not tell. I've seen it from Twitter and I completely agree. So I apologize if I'm stealing your point, but whoever did the makeup for Colin Farrell as Penguin, bravo to you. You are winning an award for that. It doesn't even look like Colin Farrell. He only has a few lines, so it's hard to tell if it truly sounds like Colin Farrell or if he's putting a different inflection on his voice to sound a little bit different. Um, my guess is that he is going to be developed for something bigger down the road. I don't think that he is going to have a super prominent role in this movie. I think he's going to be uh, a big deal. But with Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon, he looks amazing and he's going to... Jeffrey Wright is going to be like the best Commissioner Gordon we've gotten. I apologize if you love Gary Oldman or anybody else that's portrayed uh, Commissioner Gordon, but Jeffrey Wright is going to knock it out of the park just like some of the other people have. Um, my guess is, from what I can tell, Penguin's going to be kind of working with Commissioner Gordon in a sense. I could be completely wrong, so I apologize if I'm like not even close there. But it sounds like there's going to be some corruption that takes place for the Penguin, where in this movie he's not necessarily a good guy. He's going to be somewhat corrupt, but I think he's going to be developed for something bigger 
down the road in a future movie, whether it's the second or the third one. No idea. I don't know if he's going to become some sort of like mob boss. I don't even know if that's an option. Again, speculating. Um, but really looking forward to that. As for Andy Serkis's uh, role as Alfred, didn't get to see him. That kind of sucked. I was looking forward to it. But again, they've only filmed or completed 25 to 30% of this movie. So you can't hold it against them. Um, he sounded great as Alfred. So I don't know. I like Andy Serkis in literally everything he does. He's never done anything wrong in, on the big screen. So I'm so excited for this movie. I think it's clear. I'm going to move on now. DC Fandom was great. I'm really looking forward to it again next year. Um, I should mention too, I completely forgot. Uh, the event was supposed to take place over 24 hours. It technically did. They had one eight-hour segment that they repeated continuously three times. So over the span of 24 hours, you got that eight-hour event three times. Um, but the rest of the event, it's going to be more so like the kid side of things from what I understand. That'll take place on Saturday, September 12th. So if there's anything that you were looking forward to that didn't happen, there's still another day to do this. They did split up the event. Don't know why they did that. Don't really care. The eight-hour event was still awesome. Um, but that's that. September 12th, if anything comes out of that, I'm not expecting that I'm going to have to have the full attentiveness that I did this past Saturday. Um, but again, if anything else comes out of uh, the event on September 12th, I'll keep you guys in the loop. So that's that for DC Fandom. Really enjoyed it. I recommend if you're able to check in on that still that you go ahead and do something like that. Check through my Twitter timeline. I was able to follow up with a lot of the information. Um, but moving on to what I will be talking about in today's episode. The One and Only Ivan released on Disney Plus over the weekend. Synopsis for The One and Only Ivan. A gorilla named Ivan tries to piece together his past with the help of an elephant named Stella as they hatch a plan to escape from captivity. That's the one I will be reviewing first. Uh, my middle review will be, or I guess it will be my final review because the third one will be a rewind, uh, Tesla. Tesla released on demand. Synopsis for Tesla, a freewheeling take on visionary inventor Nikola Tesla, uh, his interactions with Thomas Edison and J.P. Morgan's daughter Anne, and his breakthroughs in transmitting electrical power and light. Finally, I mentioned earlier that I was going to be talking about Inception uh, today and then I moved it to next week. In honor of DC Fandom, in honor of the DC Extended Universe really taking off, and in honor of Michael Keaton's Batman coming back, I'm reviewing Batman. It's going to be the Michael Keaton, uh, called the original. Uh, that is available on HBO Max. It came out in 1989. Synopsis for Batman. The Dark Knight of Gotham City begins his war on crime with his first major enemy being Jack Napier, a criminal who becomes the clownishly homicidal Joker. Uh, so that's that. Hope you enjoyed the DC Fandom discussion. Hope you enjoyed the news segment. I know this episode is going to be very long, but hope you still enjoy it. Without further ado, let's review The One and Only Ivan. The One and Only Ivan was a cute new Disney movie that brought on an excellent cast to tell an interesting story that I probably won't think about again past this review. The One and Only Ivan is rated PG. It, of course, came out uh, over the weekend on Disney+. It is directed by Thea Chirac. It is categorized as a family, comedy, and drama movie that runs one hour and 35 minutes long, and it stars Sam Rockwell, Angelina Jolie, Danny DeVito, and Helen Mirren. The one and only Ivan comes in at a 70% full on the milk meter. Now, it's rare that I go into a movie without any real expectations, but the one and only Ivan was one of those rare cases. That's neither a good thing nor a bad thing. I just wasn't quite sure what journey I had in store. Now... 
If this movie had been any longer than the 90 or so minutes that it was, it probably would have felt very stale and drawn out by the end. But what's funny about that is, at the same time, I think there was more to be told than there actually was. Take the synopsis, for example. In a movie revolving around Ivan and his friends as they look to escape their current state of captivity, it felt like the reasoning as to why they wanted to leave and why Ivan's skills are so significant, it just felt very rushed. Sure, a lot of that material was dark and it may not work so well in a Disney movie that's rated PG, but even so, you could definitely feel how that change impacted the story. Now, despite that uh, critique, I still think this was an interesting story and it was one that was worth sharing. Anytime a true story can be successfully brought to life on the big screen, or obviously in this case it was on the TV screen, I'm going to be a fan of it. Again, I may not find myself thinking about this movie again anytime soon, but if you have kids or you're in the mood for a cute Disney movie for yourself, there will be plenty to like about the one and only Ivan. I truly, truly don't even know where to start with my thoughts on Tesla. If I had to pick three general things that I thought I was going to take away from this movie, they would be a new interesting fact about Nikola Tesla that I did not previously know. Honestly, that's pretty much it. Literally, the only thing I was hoping to take away from this movie was a new fact about one of the most famous inventors in history. And that only sort of happened. Tesla is rated PG-13. It is directed by Michael Amarieta. It is categorized as a history and a drama. It's a biopic. It runs one hour and 42 minutes long, and it stars Ethan Hawke, Kyle MacLachlan, Eve Hewson, and, funny enough, Jim Gaffigan. Tesla comes in at a 13, a big 1-3, 13% full on the milk meter. Stylistically, I was intrigued as to how writer, director, and producer Michael Almerieta uh, was going to tell this unconventional story, with a narrator adding details to the story using modern-day technology, who also has an actual role in the movie, I was looking forward to seeing this unique, and again unconventional, storytelling avenue. As things played out though, I just found it to be so distracting. Sure, I admire the ambition, and I think there's a way to make it work with the narrator, but it just felt like it was trying to be some immersive documentary that ultimately just mocked elements of the story by having something happen, then cutting away to the narrator who would completely contradict what we just saw and heard. And as a result, it was very difficult to follow what aspects of the story were accurate and inaccurate, especially because of the overtly emphasized point that we really don't know all that much about Nikola Tesla and his life. Aside from the historical issues that I had, I had zero grasp of what aspects of this movie were supposed to be funny. Although the trailer made it seem like Tesla was going to be full of energy, I found the entire movie to be extremely dry and dull. From Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla smashing ice cream into each other's face, to Ethan Hawke saying directly into the camera, 
any element of this movie that was intended to serve as comic relief did not work for me. And as for the green screens they used, were those horrific on purpose? Or did they think that they looked okay? Because I assure you, if they were bad on purpose, it was not funny. And if you thought they looked good, they did not. Oh, and the only thing that I sort of learned about Nikola Tesla was that if you look up images of him, if you Google Nikola Tesla and go to images, you're more or less going to end up with just three or four pictures of him that are manipulated or repurposed several times to make it look different. Other than that, I learned nothing from Tesla and got nothing from watching it. Do what you will, but I will not be the one to recommend Tesla to you. As one of the most iconic characters in the history of film, television, and comic books, Batman will forever hold a special place in many hearts and many minds. As for which portrayal of the Dark Knight is someone's favorite, however, that debate may never cease. Batman, the one from 1989, is rated PG-13. It is directed by Tim Burton. It is categorized as an action and an adventure film. It's a superhero movie. It runs two hours and six minutes long, and it stars Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne, Jack Nicholson as Joker, Kim Basinger uh, as Vicki Vale, and Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. Batman comes in at a 78% full on the milk meter. Now, from Adam West to our most recent casting of Bruce Wayne and Robert Pattinson, it's difficult to sell somebody that their favorite version of Batman is the wrong one, unless they prefer Val Kilmer or George Clooney, that is. But in 1989, when Michael Keaton put on the cape and the cowl, if you're not sure what the cowl is, that's literally just the mask, things started to change for the character. Sure, the action is a bit clunky in this movie and the intensity is a bit off for today's standards, but for the time, there's a lot to like about what Tim Burton was able to create. From Jack Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker and the development of his backstory to Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne, I think it's safe to say that the acting in Batman was a strong point. The dialogue could have been improved along with the action, sure. But something that DC has its always had going for them is its darker undertones. And for the time, Tim Burton and his cast did a fine job of bringing that to the big screen. Do I think we've had better or stronger performances since this movie came out? Of course I do. But I think it goes without saying that if it weren't for the groundwork that was laid 30 plus years ago now, we may not be where we are today. If you haven't had the opportunity to see Batman yet, I highly recommend it to anyone interested in the modern day superhero genre. That's all I have for news, uh, reviews, and rewinds today. Obviously, the inaugural DC Fandom discussion, too. Looking forward to doing that again next year already. Uh, remember, this weekend, I will for sure be talking about, or at least next week, I should say, for sure, be talking about Bill & Ted 3, Bill & Ted Face the Music. That will be available on demand and in select theaters. I'll be talking about Inception and that movie's re-release. Uh, and then, finally, you have The New Mutants and David Copperfield coming out, or The History of David Copperfield, uh, coming out over the weekend as well. For me, it will depend on the theater situation throughout the week, what I'm able to talk about next week. Uh, but as always, remember to rate, review, and subscribe, and share this podcast. I always appreciate when you guys are able to keep in touch that way and just spread the word, uh, tell people what you're enjoying and whatnot. Um, but other than that, again, I appreciate you guys following along. Follow me on Twitter at Milk Movies. Thank you for listening. Hasta la vista.